Amen. All right, well, we're there in Proverbs chapter number 24. And like we announced, we've been going through a series on Sunday mornings called Money Matters, and we've been learning some biblical principles to get a hold of your finances. And if you're a first-time guest this morning, you, you might feel like you're coming into uh, the middle of a movie uh, because you're coming into the middle of a uh, series where we've been kind of building out, building this foundation. I would, I would just encourage you, if you're able to, to go back and, and learn and uh, listen to the last couple of weeks. If you remember, uh, when we began the series, we began the series with a sermon entitled, Protect Yourself Against Covetousness. And we, of course, wanted to make sure that we had the right bearing in regards to finances, that the goal is not to be rich. In fact, the Bible tells us labor not to be rich. The goal is not to love money, because the love of money is the root of all evil, and it will destroy your life. But the goal is to be good stewards of the finances that God has given us. And then last week, I preached a sermon called Prioritizing Your Giving, and we talked about the blessing connected to giving and giving regularly and giving proportionally. And then today, uh, we're going to be learning about the subject, and the title of the sermon is Plan Your Spending. And what we're going to be talking about is biblical principles for setting up a budget. Now, I realize that Whenever you talk about budgets, people's eyes kind of glaze over and uh, they lose interest. But I, I want you to understand that this is a uh, pivotal step in your financial maturity if you're going to succeed financially. And I'd like to give you three points in regards to planning your spending. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to take notes. I'm going to give you a lot of practical things uh, this morning on the back of your course of the week sheet. There's a place for you to write some notes down. And if you'd like, you can begin by writing down the first point, which is this, the reward of a spending plan. The reward of a spending plan. Now, a budget is really a spending plan. It is a plan for your spending. It is a plan for how, what you will do with the finances that God has blessed you with. And I want to begin with talking about the reward of a spending plan. Uh, what is it that a spending plan, if you do it right and you do it consistently, will produce in your life? And again, I want to begin with that. Usually I kind of end, I would maybe end a sermon with some sort of exhortation and kind of a reason why you would want to do this. But I want to begin this morning with that because of the fact that I realize if I start talking about budgets, people are just going to be like, I don't care about this. It's fine. I, I like being broke. Whatever. Um, you know, but I want to begin with this idea of what is the reward of having a budget because uh, hopefully that will help you to want to do this and want to live this way. Now, you're there in Proverbs 24. I'd like you to look at verse number 4. The Bible says this, And by knowledge, that's what you're about to receive this morning, a lot of knowledge. Now, some of you have heard me preach on this before. About every three years, I preach a financial series. You've heard me preach this before, and you're applying it. Praise the Lord. This will help encourage you along the way. Some of you have heard me preach this before, and you've not applied it, and you're in the same place today that you were three years ago financially because you haven't been listening. And I'm not mad at you. I'm just here to tell you, a wise person, the Bible says, through wisdom is, uh, excuse me, verse 4, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. The Bible says that if you can take knowledge and apply it in your life, God will bless you financially. Now, there are some things you need to understand, and you know this, I know you know this, but let's look at it together. There are some things you need to understand in regards to a budget or the, re the reward that a budget will bring. And the first thing is this, the only way to build the only way to build, and we're not I'm not talking about financially right now, I'm just talking about anything. The only way to build anything, to accomplish anything in life is to plan for it. The Bible teaches this concept. You're there in Proverbs 24, look at verse 27. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field and afterwards build thine house. And this is a principle that God gives us in the book of Proverbs, and he's specifically talking about building a house here, but this can be applied to anything. But if you're in construction, this definitely applies to you. He says, prepare thy work without. Now, the word without means outside of the job site. So here's what he's saying. For those of you that kind of work in construction or work in, those, in that type of field, he says, before you even get to the job site, before you even get to the place where you're supposed to build something or fix something or do something, he says, why don't you take time to prepare thy work without. Why don't you take some time 
to think about what you'll need, what tools you'll need, what materials you'll need, what are the uh, things that you're going to need in order to accomplish and to build. He says, and make it fit for thyself. He said, put all the puzzles together and realize, well, if I'm going to do this job, then I need this and I need that. I need to do this first. I need to do that later. He says, look, this will help you in the building process. Prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field and afterwards build thine house. And here's Here's the truth. People who are successful builders, they get very good at this, don't they? They get very good at looking at a job and and realizing here's what we need. Here's the first step, the second step, the third step. Here are the tools we need. Here, let's put it all together. They might spend the day before getting it all together, putting it all together, preparing to be able to do that. Those of us that are amateur, you know, builders or amateur, we're going to fix this in our house and that house. What do we end up doing? We end up going to Home Depot about six different times, right? Because we get into a job and we're like, oh, I need this. And then you go back to Home Depot and you come back, oh, no, I need this, right? And you waste a bunch of time. You end up not building anything. You call a handyman to come finish the job or whatever. And here's the principle. The principle is this. If you want to build, if you want to accomplish something, you need to plan for it. Prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field. And afterward, build thine house. Someone said this, plan your work and work your plan. Plan your work and work your plan. It's a biblical principle. Look at verse 3 in Proverbs 24. Proverbs 24 and through and verse 3. Notice what the Bible says. Through wisdom is an house builded, and by understanding it is established. How do you build something? He says, how do you build a house? Through wisdom, through understanding. And then, of course, verse 4. We already read it. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant things. Now, I'd like you to keep your place there in Proverbs. We're going to come back to Proverbs a lot. We're going to be mainly in Proverbs this morning. But go with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 14. In the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 14. And do me a favor, when you get to Luke, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it at the end of the sermon. You'll know we're basically done with the sermon when we get back to Luke because it's the last place we're going to go back to at the end of the sermon. Luke chapter 14. And I just want to show you this principle throughout the Bible. We saw it in Proverbs. I want you to notice that Jesus taught the same thing, that the only way to build, the only way to build, to accomplish something, is to plan for it. The only way to build. And we understand that when it comes to a building, but the truth is that this principle can be applied to anything you're trying to accomplish, whether it's your finances, whether it's your health, whether it's relationally. The only way to accomplish anything is to plan for it. Luke chapter 14, look at verse 28. Luke 14, 28, notice what Jesus said. He said, for which of you intending? The word intending means meaning to, having a desire to. He says, for which of you intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. He says, which of you intending to build a tower doesn't just first sit down and plan out whether this is something he can accomplish. Verse 29, lest happily, the word happily means by chance or perhaps. He says, lest happily, after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him. And he says, look, if you begin to build something and you lay the foundation and then you realize, I can't do this, people are going to think you're silly. People are going to think you're foolish. People will begin to mock you. I think of this uh, 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 passage of Scripture every time I'm driving by Truxo. Who's seen that building? You know, I don't know what they're building, but across the street of, from In-N-Out on Truxo Road, there is a building that they've been building, it seems like, for years. And, you know, my wife and I, we have this idea that there's, there's, some sort of, there's something wrong with the foundation there. Because they, they, they built, they, they laid the foundation, they built it, and then they actually tore it down. Then they built it again. Then they kind of tore it down and stripped it out a little bit. Now, now they're building it again. But it's just taken a long time, a long time. And every time we drive by there, we kind of chuckle and say, man, this is what Jesus was talking about, you know? Less happily after he had laid the foundation, is not able to finish it. And uh, all that, behold, it began to mock him. Notice verse 30, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not building. But notice, this principle can be applied to, to anything. Because then he gives another example in verse 31. He says, or what king, 
going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand, or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. And here's the idea. The idea is that the only way to build, the only way to build, the only way to accomplish is to plan for it. And here's what you need to understand. Nothing happens by chance. If something happens, it happens by choice. Nothing happens by chance, it happens by choice. So when you look at someone who's doing well financially, when you look at someone who's paid off their mortgage early, when you look at someone who's living debt-free, when you're looking at someone who's uh, prepared for their future and prepared for retirement, don't sit there and think, oh, they were lucky. Oh, they were fortunate. Oh, uh, it just kind of worked out for them in that in that way. No, those things, and of course we've got the... You know, we've got the, the, the examples, of course, of people who just, you know, were given a huge inheritance or whatever from their parents. But the truth of the matter is that that's not, that's not the average person. The average person that is financially successful is financially successful because they planned and made a choice to do so. Nothing happens by chance. It happens by choice. And if you're going to be financially successful, and here's what I'm trying to explain to you, the only way to build financial success, financial security, to accomplish financial security in your life is to plan for it. Please understand this. Getting out of debt requires planning and preparation. Saving for major purchases requires planning and preparation. Paying off your mortgage early, think about that. What if you paid off your mortgage early? How would that free you up? How would that remove a, a, a burden off your shoulders? How would that free you up? Not to live for money, but to live for God. How, how, what would that do in your life if you were to pay off your mortgage early? But look, to do that, it's going to require planning and preparation. To be able to have a saved up for your retirement and for the years which you can't work. That will uh, require planning and preparation. And the idea is this, that a wise person will look ahead and say, this is what needs to be accomplished, this is what needs to be done, so I will plan and prepare in order to do it. And whether it's building a house or building financial security, you must plan and you must prepare for success. Let me say this, a spending plan, a spending plan will use your income, because you've got income. You work somewhere, you, your, your husband works or whatever, and there's income that comes into your house. A spending plan will use your income as a tool to build financial security and success. A, a spending plan, a budget, will use your income as a tool because we're trying to build something, right? As a tool to build financial security and financial success. Now, uh, keep your place there in Luke. We're going to come back to it, but go back to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. And while you turn there, let me read for you from this, uh, just a little, a little quote from an article here. The article is entitled, How Much Does the Average American Earn in Their Lifetime? It's from a website called uh, CheatSheet.com. And it's, the article is entitled, How Much Does the Average American Earn in Their Lifetime? And I want to read this to you because I want you to think about something. In your working lifetime, from the moment you began to work to the day you can no longer work, you will earn money and there will be a certain amount of money that flows through your hands. Let me read for you from this article. It's hard to say what level of education attainment the average American has. But you can say the overall average lifetime earnings, taking education into account, will land somewhere between $1 million and $1.8 million before taxes. And, and you say, well, I don't make that much money. Understand what the article is saying. The average American in their working lifetime will have somewhere between a million and close to $2 million passed through their hands. You will earn somewhere between a million, the average American will earn somewhere between a million and close to two million dollars in their lifetime. And how you plan to spend that money will determine your financial success and security. I mean, if someone said to you, I'm going to hand you a million dollars, spend it wisely. 
Wouldn't you think it'd be smart to sit down and consider the cost and consider, well, how should this be spent and where should it be invested and how shall it be done? And, but here's the point. If you live in the United States of America, you will have a million dollars passed through your hands. And the sad thing is that many people get to retirement and have nothing to show for it. They had a million or a million point eight, you know, or close to two million dollars passed through their hands and they did no planning, they did no preparing, and they have nothing to show for it. And I'm here to tell you, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, I'm just trying to encourage you in this area, that is foolish. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 27, notice what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 27 says this, The slothful man roasted not that which he took in hunting. That's, that's talking about laziness. We'll talk about that another day. Why don't you notice the last part of verse 27? But the substance of a diligent man is precious. See, the word diligent means a hardworking man. And of course, in Proverbs, we're talking about people that are wise. He says the substance of a wise man. A wise man realizes that the substance that he has, the income and the increase that God has given to him, is a precious thing that must be managed well, that must be stewarded well. And you say, well, what? why would I want to even set up a budget? Here's why. Because a spending plan will use your income as a tool to build financial security and success. A wise person will realize that you have limited resources. You're only going to be able to work for a certain amount of time in your life. You're only going to make a certain amount of income. There's only going to be a certain amount of money that the Lord allows to flow through your hands in your lifetime. And a wise person realizes that they have limited resources and we must make the most of them. And here's what I can tell you. If you decide today to plan your work, to prepare, and to plan your spending, to not just spend like Proverbs says, and we'll see some verses about it, to not just spend your money carelessly like a fool, but as a wise person, considering that there are things that must be done in life in order to prepare and to build for financial success and security, you will get to the end of your life and have much to show for it. There is a reward at the end. There is a reward through for those who plan, for those who who prepare. So what I'm trying to get you to do today is to make a decision to say, I will plan my spending. I will plan for the money that God allows to flow through my hands. So we talked about the reward of spending. Let me give you the second point this morning. Let's talk about the reason for a spending plan. What's the reason? Go, you're there in Proverbs 12. Go to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. The reward is this, that you will build financial success and security. And please understand this. And again, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm working at this. My wife and I, we're working at this, and we budget, and we, we, we do these things, and, and I'm not, I, I, everything I'm teaching you is something that we're trying to apply in our lives, and we're not perfect at it, but we're doing our best with it. And, but I, I will tell you this. If you're broke, and I'm not going to ask, I'm not, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, okay? But if we were to take a raise of hand, and we were to ask, who is just you know, has their finances out of control. If it was anonymously and you wouldn't embarrass yourself or whatever, who has their finances just out of control, just not where you want to be financially, just struggling financially, and we took a raise of hand, and then we asked, who's not budgeting? I, I promise you the same hands would go up. Because what budgeting does what financial planning does, what planning your spending does, is it brings you into control. See, the reason for a spending plan, you say, what's the reason? Here's the reason. Money has a tendency to get out of control. Is that true? Money has a tendency to just get out of control. The Bible says this, Proverbs 23. Look at verse 5. Proverbs 23, verse 5. Notice what the Bible says. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? And by the way, this is why God is saying, I don't want you setting your eyes and your goals and your ambitions on money. I don't want you laboring to be rich. He says, well, thou set thine eyes on that which is not. The word not meaning that which isn't there, that which is gone. You say, what do you mean, God? Well, knows what he says. For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle towards heaven. Here's what he said. Money has the tendency to get out of control. Riches certainly make themselves wings. Isn't that true? 
they make themselves wings in the, in the way of a dental bill. They make themselves wings in the way of a mechanical bill. They make themselves wings in the way of a plumber's cost. They make themselves, there's just a tendency of money that when you have it, for it to want to just kind of disappear, for it to want to just kind of get out of control, for it to want to just go away and fly away, for riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Go to Proverbs 27. Look at verse 24. Proverbs 27 and verse 24. The Bible says this. Proverbs 27 and verse 24 says this. For riches are not forever. And by the way, this is why you don't want to put your your life's ambitions on that which is temporal, which is corruptible. You want to put your life's ambitions on that which is eternal, which is incorruptible. He says, for riches are not forever, and that the crown endure to every generation. And here's what he's saying. Riches, money, wealth, has a tendency to get out of control. You say, well, what's the reason for a spending plan? The reason for a spending plan is this. Because money has a tendency to get out of control, because you, as the average American, are going to have anywhere between a million and two million dollars flow through your hands in your working lifetime, and that money has a tendency to want to spread wings and fly away and get out of control. What you need to do is set up a spending plan. You say, why? Because money needs to be forced to come under control. Money has a tendency to get out of control and a spending plan is the way that you bring it back in, you bring in those reins, and you force it to come, un- <coughs> uh, come under control. Look at, you're there in Proverbs 27, look at verse 23. Be thou diligent. I want you to notice how this word diligent keeps coming up. And the reason for that is this. If you're not budgeting, let me just go ahead and tell you, budgeting is work. It requires work. It requires you setting aside time, sitting down with a Word document or a notebook and a calculator and a pen and getting to work. He says, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks. The way that we would say this today is, be thou diligent to know the state of thy bank accounts, thy credit card balances, right? This was how they measured wealth in those days. This was their economy. They were a cultural, uh, uh, agricultural uh, uh, economy, and they had harvest, and they had cattle, and they had flocks. He says, be thou diligent to know the state of thy flock, and look well to thy hurt. See, the reason for spending, for a spending plan is this. Money has a tendency to get out of control, and money needs to be forced to come under control. That's why I like that quote we have in the bulletin. A budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Because the truth is this, that if you were... When you realize, oh, wow, I'm broke, and usually that comes by the way of, you know, your credit card statement or, or you know, non-sufficient funds or whatever it is, you know, when you realize that your, you, you, your money has flown away, then you sit there and wonder, well, I wonder what happened. I mean, I just got paid. I wonder what happened with all the money. But see, a spending plan, a spending plan is you telling your money, I'm going to control you. Because you are a resource that God has given me, and that resource is limited. There's only a certain amount of money that will flow through my hands, and God wants me to steward and to manage those resources properly. Go to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. Now, let me just help you out with this. And You know, we're, you're all adults. I, th- I think you know what a, what a budget is, and if you don't, you can look up, you know, just Google how to budget, and you can get all sorts of uh, plans and their software and things. But let me just give you some practical tips in, in, in regards to setting up a spending plan or a budget because what I've noticed over the last you know, nine plus years of ministry as I've tried to help people with this is that there are a lot of common mistakes that people make with budgets and it, and it seems like a lot, you know, there's no new thing under the sun. It seems like a lot of people make the same mistakes when it comes to budgets. Their heart's in the right place. They're trying to budget, but they, they make a lot of mistakes with budgeting. Uh, so let me just kind of help you with uh, some practical tips. And if you'd maybe like to write this down or whatever, you, you can do that. But let me give you some practical tips. You're there in Proverbs 31. We're going to go to it here in a minute. But some practical tips in regards to setting up a, a spending plan, setting up a budget. How does this work? First of all, you need to decide to live off of a zero-based budget. You need to decide to live off of a zero-based budget. Now, a zero-based budget or zero-based budgeting is a financial term and a way of budgeting where your income minus your expenses equals zero. The base is zero. 
With a zero-based budget, you have to make sure your expenses match what's coming in during the month, and you're giving every dollar a function. It just means your income minus all your expenses, which is your outgo, equals zero. So what you need to do is decide that you will set up a zero-based budget, and you say, well, what's the purpose for that, or what's the point of that? When you have a zero-based budget, what you do is you assign a place in your written budget to each dollar. I, I, I like to say it this way. I've heard it said this way. Every dollar on paper on purpose. Every dollar that comes through your hands is written down on a paper, on a Word document or whatever it might be, and it has a purpose. It is given, I like how this little article says, giving every dollar a function. It is zero-based, meaning you have your income coming in, your outgo going out, and at the end, it shouldn't be a plus. It shouldn't. It definitely shouldn't be a negative. It should just be a zero. Now, sometimes I teach this and people say, well, no, don't you want it to be a plus? Well, I don't, I, I don't want it to be a zero. Uh, you know, we're just trying to avoid it being a negative. But here's what you need to understand about a zero-based budget. And let me just kind of help you out with this. Maybe some of you don't know about budgeting, so let me just give you uh, what a budget is. A zero-based budget is this. Income, what you make, right? Your income, your increase, whatever, the money that you have coming in through your hands every week or every other week or every month or whatever it is, minus your outgo, what you spend, and we want to get that to zero every month. Here's a practical tip. Make a written budget on paper or a Word document on your computer or whatever, okay? Not in your head. People think like, oh, well, I got a budget. It's all up here. No, no nothing's up there, okay? That's why you're broke. Uh, you, you need to write a budget on paper. You need to have it somewhere on paper, on a Word document. You need to write it out. Well, I know how much I spent. No, you don't. You, you will be shocked if you sat down and looked at how much money you actually spent at Starbucks, how much money you actually spent at the mall, how much money you actually spent. Look, you need to have a written budget every time you get paid, and it needs to be on a paper or on a Word document. And let me say this. You need to write a budget every time you get paid. Every time money comes in through your hands, you need to have a plan for that money. Now, if you get paid once a month, then you should have a once a month budget. If you get paid every other week, then you should have an every other week budget. But you need to have a written budget every time you get paid, and you need to have a budget at least once a month. Maybe you have had some weird job where you get paid once a year. I've heard of a situation where you know somebody gets paid once a year and whatever. Okay, that's great. But then you need to just, you don't make a budget for the whole year. You need to sit down and write a budget for every month. You make your budget Here's another practical tip. Make your budget realistic. Avoid extremes. A lot of times when people get in their heads that, oh man, I've been uh, messing up financially, I need to get my finance in order, they go in these extremes. And it's not just finances, it's, it's anything. You know, health. People realize, oh, I've gained some weight, I need to lose weight. So they go to these unhealthy extremes and they try all these extreme fad diets and extreme this and extreme that. And every time, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, okay, because I, I would say most people that have tried diets here would, would say the same thing. You try your extreme diet, then you get off of it and you gain all the weight back. Why? Because it's not sustainable. Because you gained the weight because of a lifestyle. And, to, and, and if you're going to cut the weight down, you need to cut the weight down through changing your lifestyle. And if your life is a financial mess, your life is a financial mess because of a lifestyle. And if you're going to bring back the reins, you're going to have to bring back the reins on your lifestyle. So you need to make your budget realistic. Avoid extremes. Here's why. Because it must be sustainable or it will not work. We're not talking about something you do for a short amount of time. We're talking about a new way to spend your money for the rest of your life. A new lifestyle. A new way of seeing things. You must, here's another practical tip. You must review and redo your budget regularly. There's no such thing as a perfect budget. 
This was me. When, I, when we first started budgeting years ago and we, we started getting a hold of our finances, I, I remember I spent like two weeks just working on this perfect budget. I got it all figured out. Not all these graphs and pie charts or whatever, you know, and got it all figured out. I'm like, this is the perfect. This is going to work. And, it, and the next month, it was completely destroyed. And I was like, oh, I must have messed up. And then you work on it, work on it, get it all done. And the next month, it was completely destroyed. And you know what you realize is this, that there's no such thing as a perfect budget. Because every month is different. Right? So every month, you have to budget for the expenses of that month. Which means, you say, but that's a lot of work. Yeah, I know. Wise people are diligent about their finances. Yes, it's a lot of work. But a wise person will say, every month is different. Every month needs a new plan, a different plan. And of course, there are some things that don't change with your budgets and they kind of stay the same. But every month is different. Look, December is going to be different than June. Do you understand that? And, and you can sit there and say, oh, uh, I got December taken care of. It's called my credit card. Yeah, exactly. Come back for next week's sermon. How debt is a burden. It'll bury you. And a, a, a smart person, a wise person, will plan their spending and will realize that every month is different. Our, you know, we've got six kids. I don't know how many I should have asked my wife, but I think like four of my kids were born in September. September's like Christmas at our house, you know? And it's, uh, you know, and September requires a different budget. September requires a different budget than August required. And just different spending and different things. And so review and redo your budget regularly. There's no such thing as a perfect budget. Every month is different. Make your budget realistic. Avoid extremes. It must be sustainable or it will not last. Here's another practical tip. Assign a portion. And this goes with making it realistic. Assign a portion of your budget to fund recreational spending. This is what we're talking about making it sustainable. Assign a portion of your budget to things like eating out. Because here's the truth. You're going to eat out. You're going to get coffee. You're going to do something fun and have to spend money. That's fine. We're not telling you, don't have a life. Don't do anything. Just, you know, live, live like a monk or something. We're not saying that. What we're saying is this. If you're going to eat out, plan to eat out. If you're going to have coffee, Plan to have coffee so you're not sitting back saying, Wow, I can't believe how much money we spent on coffee. But you can say, No, we've allotted this much amount of money towards our coffee or towards our date nights or towards our uh, spending or towards our whatever. So look, you need to have a budget that's realistic. You need to have a budget that's sustainable. And you need to assign a portion to fund things, recreational things, eating out, date nights, doing something fun, whatever, ordering a pizza with the kids every once in a while, whatever it is you're going to do. Here's another practical tip. Involve everyone who will be doing any spending. Involve everyone who will be doing any spending. If you're married, you as a husband and wife, you both need to just get on board with this thing And look, there's no point of having a budget if one of you is just going to spend whatever they want anyway. Do you understand that? So you need to get on board. And of course, you men, you're supposed to be the leader of the home. You need to take charge in this area and say, hey, honey, let's sit down and let's look at this. And this is the budget. And and you work together and get your wife's input. Because you say, well, I don't need my wife's input. Look, a wise person will get counsel from their wife. You say, well, I'm the leader. Yeah, but you know what? Leaders don't just make decisions on their own. They get counsel from other people. And you know what? Let me just tell you something, guys. You'd be smart to get some counsel from your wife in regards to how much do we actually spend on groceries? How much do we actually spend on, you know, if your wife's doing all the grocery shopping, if your wife's buying all the, doing all these things, she's the one that knows. Get her input and, and so that it can be realistic so it doesn't just get destroyed after the first month. Here's another practical tip. Use the cash envelope system. This was taught by a man named Larry Burkett in his book, How to Manage Your Money. He was probably, I think, and I, I don't know a lot about Larry Burkett, but I, I don't think he was a Baptist, but he was probably one of the first uh, Christians that kind of began to really teach these concepts on finances. And of course, other people have taken this uh, system and, and used it as well. I think it's a great system. The, the cash envelope system, we use it in our home. And, uh, you know, the cash envelope system basically says this. You say, because remember, the point of a budget, the point of a budget is not to have something written down somewhere and then you just go do whatever you want. Because here's where most people mess up. Well, I'm only going to spend X amount of dollars on eating out. 
And then you get to the end of the month and you're like, wow, I spent like five times that. My budget didn't work. No, you didn't work. Okay? Your budget, your, 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 your budget, your, a Word document on your computer is not going to stop you from spending the money. You say, okay, well, what do I do? Here's what you do. You decide. You give a realistic number. Here's what we're going to spend on eating out. A realistic number. Here's what I'm going to spend on getting coffee. A realistic number. Whatever you like to do, whatever your recreation is, you like to go shooting, here's how much I'm going to spend on shooting, or here's how I'm going to spend on this recreation. Be realistic about the things you do. And of course, you may need to sacrifice some things. We'll talk about that in a minute. But be realistic about what you're actually going to do, how much you're going to spend on groceries. Here's how much our family spends on groceries. Here's how much we uh, are are willing to spend on uh, maybe eating out every once in a while. Here's how much we're willing to spend on this or on that. And then you actually go to the bank. You say, well, that's going to require work. Yeah, a diligent man. Then you go to the bank and you pull that cash out. Then you put it into an envelope. Then you put it somewhere safe in your home where you and your wife have access to it. Here's how this works. Then you say, oh, uh, you know, we got out of uh, church late. Let's, uh, you know, grab something to eat. So, honey, so you don't have to cook, you know, at 11.45 p.m. or whatever. And then we pull out our little spending envelope, and we've got money in there that we've set aside for spending, and we go out and we, and we eat out. And you say, well, what do you, what, what's, the, what's the benefit to a cash envelope? Here's the benefit to a cash envelope. There'll come a time in the month when you will go to spend whatever on groceries or whatever on this or whatever on that, and you'll pull out your little envelope, and you'll figure out and you'll realize there's no money in it. You've already spent everything you were going to spend on coffee. So you say, well, what do I do now? You pull out your credit card. Wrong. <laughs> you don't go to coffee. You don't go eat out. You're done. The point of a spending plan is to control your spending. And one of the best ways to do it, in my opinion, is using a cash envelope system because the cash envelope system limits you because once you're done, you're done. Once the envelope's empty, sorry, it's empty till the next time I get paid. Then we'll refill it again. And use a cash envelope system in order to control your spending. See, a budget forces you to stop and think about what and how much you are spending. Are you there in Proverbs 31? Look at verse 16. Now look, you know Proverbs 31 is the proverb, the, the, the virtuous woman proverb, right? I think we can apply this to everybody, but especially you stay-at-home wives, you need to realize that you are a huge part of a family's financial success. You're a huge part of a family's financial success. Notice what it says here about the virtuous woman. It says she considereth a field and buyeth it. See that word, considereth? That means to think carefully about it. She considereth a field. She thinks about it. She plans it. She looks at her budget. And then she buyeth it. That's what a budget does for you. It helps you slow down. Because most of the financial mistakes you've made have to do with impulse spending. You know that's true. And again, I don't, I don't want to embarrass you, but if you've got credit card debt, which I would say most of you in this room do, if we look at the average spending of an American, the average American has $10,000 in credit card debt, you know, depending on what uh, 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 statistics or articles or whatever you read. And here's the truth. If you've got credit card debt, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want you to think about this. If you have credit card debt, go ahead and raise your hand in your mind, all right? Okay? Now, Answer me this. Can you tell me where you spent that $10,000? You probably can't. You don't even remember. You got, you got debt on, you ate out somewhere three years ago, and you're still paying that off. You went on some trip, you don't even remember it. You bought, you, you, you've got a garage full of, a closet full of, a storage container full of stuff you bought, you don't use, you don't even remember where it came from, but you're paying debt on You're paying on it. And we, we buy, and we have these impulse buys, and we go places, and we buy this, and we buy that. Well, I'm not even sure how much I have, or how much it costs, or whatever. I'll take it. I'll take two. <laughs> and what a spending plan does is it stops you, and it says, because a wise woman, a wise man, the Bible says, she considereth a field and buyeth it. Let me give you another practical tip. My wife and I uh, have a rule in our home. We don't make a major purchase. We do not make a major purchase. Our rule is, 
whenever we're confronted with some sort of major purchase, even if we both look at the situation and say, yes, this is a good deal, we agree with it, it's, it's the right thing, whatever, we just have a rule that we always sleep on it. So whenever we go somewhere, somebody confronts us with some sort of sale or whatever, and because and, and it begins to tug at you, right? And you're like, oh, man, I really want to get that, whatever. I really want to go on that cruise or get that timeshare or do whatever. I really want to buy. I mean, I, I wonder how many vehicles have been bought just off of uh, uh, an impulse buy, houses bought on an impulse buy, big debt accrued off of an impulse buy. If you would just have a rule that says, I don't make finance. And when, when we walk in, you know, we'll have salespeople come to us or come to our door or whatever and say, we want to sell you this vacuum for $7,000. Greatest vacuum you'll ever have. I'm like, is it going to do my laundry? Good night, $7,000. You know, I mean, good. And, and, and we just tell people, hey, you know, I appreciate it. Sounds like a great deal. We don't, we don't make financial decisions without sleeping on it. Oh, well, it's a, it's a one-time sale. My boss says you got three minutes to make a decision. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. And if the deal's not there, then it must not have been uh, meant to be because we, we made a commitment that we don't make major purchases without sleeping on it. You know what happens when the sales guy goes and you sleep on it and you wake up the next day? Usually things just have... Yeah, I think my $150 vacuum would be good enough. I don't think I need to buy that vehicle. I don't, need to, I don't think I need to get that house. I, I think I'll be fine. And here's all I'm telling you. Here's all I'm telling you. A wise woman, a wise man, considereth a field. Well, then I'll never get to buy it. No, and buyeth it. But they make wise purchases. It's not that you don't get to buy things. It's that you get to think about it. It's that you get to prepare for it is that you get to plan for it. So we talked about the reward of a spending plan. We talked about the reason for a spending plan. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. Towards the end of the New Testament, if you start at the book of Revelation and you head backwards, you'll have um, Hebrews chapter, you'll have, of course, Revelation, Jude, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 2nd, 1st Peter, James, Hebrews. While you turn there, let me, let me answer this. How about business owners? Because business owners, I love business owners. I don't know why. We, we have a ton of business owners in our church. I think last time I took account, there was 10, maybe more than 10 business owners uh, in our church. And that's, that's not, not normal. Uh, you know, I, I, I had a pastor friend who pastored a church about the same size uh, of our Actually, not the same size, a larger church, just a little bit larger than our church. And uh, he took account of how many business owners were in his church. And there was three business owners. Our church was smaller than his. And we had about three times as many business owners. I don't know why that is. I don't know what, that, what that's about. I, maybe I attract business owners. I'm not sure, you know, this type of preaching or whatever. But we've got a lot of business owners in our, in our, um, in our church. And I'm grateful for it. I, and, and by the way, I, I think, uh, you know, being a business owner is a great way to go in the United States of America as far as uh, being able able to make money and, 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 and have financial security. But business owners, they always like to throw this at me. And I love you guys, all right? So let me help you. Well, I can't budget. I'm a business owner. I don't have a, a fixed income. I don't have a specific income. So how, how I can't budget. No, no, no. Look, where there's a will, there's a way. All right? And you, can't, you can sit there and give all reasons why you can't budget, why you can't budget, why you can't budget. It's simply not true. And, I, and, and you say, well, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just telling you, if you were to budget... If you were to plan your spending, it would help your business grow. It would help your business to increase. It would help your business to do better. You say, well, how do I, how do, I do a budget as a business owner? Well, here's what you need to figure out. You need to figure out how much. There's probably a number that you don't make less than that number every month. Now, the way you figure that number out is you just figure out how much money you've made every month for the last 12 months and divide it by 12. And you'll have an average there, and you'll probably know that in your business, there's not, even when it's a bad month, even when it's a low month, you generally don't go below X amount, and you say, how do you know that? You know that because you haven't gone below that amount over the last 12 or 24 or 36 months. There's just kind of a number there that you don't go below that number. So once you figure out what that number is, that, that number that you know, unless God decides you're Job and he's going to take everything away from you, uh, you know, where you kind of know that this is the number that we don't go below. Once you have that number, then you figure out what are the needed expenses. What are the, the, the I can't compromise on this. This must be paid. We're talking about things like rent on a building, like mortgage on your house, groceries, things like that. Obviously, things, utilities, things that you have to pay. You figure out what are those needed expenses that need to get paid, and then you just do a zero-based budget. And you figure out, this is how much we know will come in. This is how much we know we must spend. And if there's anything left over, 
Zero-based budget doesn't mean you just leave it there, because if you leave it there, it's going to spring up wings and fly away. Zero-based budget means you now have to decide what to do with that. Now, this is what we do as those of us that are not business owners. We figure out, okay, I've got X amount of dollars once I've paid all my bills. I've got this much income. I've got this many bills. I've got this much left over. What do I do now? Now I decide how much of that am I going to spend on a date night? How much of that am I going to spend on coffee? How much of that am I going to spend on, on, on eating out? And hopefully it's not going to be uh, an enormous you know, amount. And then whatever you have left over, okay, are we going to put this towards savings? Are we going to put this towards debt? Are we going to put this towards paying off the mortgage early? Everything gets a plan, a purpose in the plan. On paper, on purpose, every dollar has a function. That's zero-based budgeting. What you do as a business owner is you just kind of need to write out a dream sheet. If I know that this is how much comes in every month because this is at least comes in every month because this is how much has came in every month for the last three months, for the last six months, for the last 12 months. I know that these are the bills that need to get paid. But here's what a good steward does. A good steward says, if God were to bless me with more, if God were to bless me with more, if we were to have a great month and 5,000 came in more, 10,000 came in more, 15,000 came in more, what would I do with that? And then you kind of have a dream sheet and you say, well, the first thing I'd do is I'd pay off this credit card or I'd pay off this car or I'd, I'd put it towards this. And then if the, what if there was more left over? What would you do? Well, then I would do put it towards savings or put it towards retirement. Whatever your plan is, you just kind of have a dream sheet so that if God chooses to bless you financially, you don't have just this money sitting around that's going to wing up, uh, spring up wings and fly away and get out of control, but you've got a plan for that spending. And I will tell you this, if you plan out... If you plan out what you would do for the glory of God, if uh, God were to bless you, I bet you God would begin to bless you. So plan out your spending. Plan out your spending. We talked about the reward of a spending plan. We talked about the reasons for a spending plan. Let me thirdly this morning give you this, and we're, we're almost done. Let's talk about the realization from your spending plan. See, for some of you who don't have a spending plan, in your spending plan, you may come to some realizations. You may realize some things that you had not realized before because you used to have it up in your head, and when you put it down on paper, you're like, whoa, this is different than what I thought. There's basically two realizations that most people make when they make a spending plan. Number one, when you budget, you may realize that you have a spending problem. <laughs> now, I probably could have told you that, but, you know, I'm, I'm nice, so I'm not going to tell you that. But when you sit down and you look at how much comes in and how much goes out, you may realize you have a spending problem. Here's what this means. You may need to cut your spending. You may need to stop spending what you're spending. Hebrews 13.5, are you there? It's a great verse. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Why do we spend above our means? Why do we spend more than we make? The average American, we're told, the average American spends more than they make. And they offset it using credit cards. They offset it using their line of credit. They offset it by borrowing from their brother-in-law. They offset it by payday advances, payday loans. We didn't talk, I didn't talk about this last week because I wanted to bring it up this week. You know that the tithe... Another reason for the tithe that God gives us is because God is trying to teach us something. When God tells you that 10% of our increase should go to him, he's trying to teach us a principle that we are to not live to and above our, our, our means. He wants us to figure out how much money we make and then live a percentage below that. He wants us to live below our means. Now, if you tithe, you have to live below your means because you give 10% of your income to God. 10% of your increase to God. But you know, you may realize that, yeah, I'm tithing, but I'm still living above my uh, means. Well, let your conversation be without covetousness, because it's probably your covetousness that has you living in that house you can't afford. Right. It's probably your covetousness that has you driving that vehicle you can't afford. It's probably your covetousness. And look, there are ways to figure it out, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you, but if your mortgage is more than a quarter or a third of your monthly income, you're living in a house you cannot afford. You need to go live in the ghetto. You need to come live in my neighborhood, okay? If you're driving a vehicle and your vehicle is more than 20%, you know, 20%, 15% of your income, you're driving a vehicle you cannot afford. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Let your covetousness, the Bible says let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. You just need to be content with what you can afford. For he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I don't know why you go shopping when there's all sorts of free clothes just in that closet right down the hall. I mean, have you seen some of the clothes in that closet? It's like, nice clothes. I would never wear something used. Okay, be broke then. Go ahead and be broke. Go ahead and be average. Go ahead and be dead. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he had said, see, here's where our joy should come. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. See, no matter where I live, no matter what I drive, no matter what I wear, if God's with me, it's enough. Go back to Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21. You might find, look, I'm just, I'm just warning you. For you have a heart attack. You might find, if you actually sit down, and look at how much money comes in, look at how much money goes out, you might find that you have a spending plan, a spending problem. You may need to cut your spending. I think it was Benjamin Franklin who said, a penny saved is a penny earned. Proverbs 21 and verse 20. And I, you're, somebody could email me, Benjamin Franklin was a mason. Okay, whatever. <laughs> it's a good quote, okay? Proverbs 21, verse 20. They're all masons, everyone. You can't mention anybody without them being a mason. Proverbs 21, 20. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwellings of the wise. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. You know what foolish people do? They spend everything they have. You know what a wise person does? They live below their means. Proverbs 21, look at verse 17. Proverbs 21, verse 17. The Bible says, he that loveth pleasure, he that loveth Starbucks, he that loveth McDonald's, he that loveth eating out, he that loveth whatever, he that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. Look, this is what the Bible says. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. You need to figure out. And look, I... I I'm happy to help you, and you, some of you know, I don't, look, I don't treat people face-to-face the way I do preaching, obviously, okay? But look, if you, if you need somebody to help you sit down and write down a budget or whatever, I'm willing to do that with you, and I'd be happy to do that, but let me just warn you right now, if you're going to do that, and if you've got financial plans, realize that you're probably not going to like what I have to say, because I'm probably going to look at your budget and say, well, you can cut this, and you can cut this, and you can cut this, and you don't need that, and you don't need this. No, I need that. No, okay, be broke. But there are things you can cut out of your spending. If you are living above your means, if you are spending more than you make, you need to cut things out of your spending. You're not the U.S. government. Now look, the U.S. government would be wise to cut their spending. They're idiots. But at least they get to print their own money. You don't. So there are things you can cut out, like eating out, like daily coffee, like shopping. Do a spending fast. Every once in a while, my wife and I, We'll just do a spending fast for a month. We'll just say, no spending, period. We're not going to go anywhere. We're not going to eat anything. We're not going to go, you know, have, any, I'm talking about eating out. You know, obviously we're eat at home. You know, we're only going to go to a restaurant if somebody uh, takes us to a restaurant or something. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we just, you know, eating out, no daily coffee, no shopping. Uh, you know, or uh, uh, maybe you need to start shopping at thrift stores and, and maybe you start buying used. There are things that you can downsize. You might need to downsize your phone. You might need to downsize your car. You might need to downsize your house. You, there, there are things that, that you need to uh, uh, get, get rid of. And look, if you're broke, and look, I love you. I'm not mad at you. I'm trying to help you. If you're broke and you smoke, you drink, you gamble, you, uh, you know, drink alcohol, you're watching cable TV, you need to knock that off. I mean, you need to knock that off, period, just for the glory of God, but then you're going into debt for it? That makes no sense. Realize, there might, you might come to a realization from your spending plan that when you budget, you may realize you have a spending problem and you may need to cut your spending. And there's another realization you may come to. Go to Proverbs chapter 10. Because there are some people, and they're usually the exception, not the rule, but there are some people who say, no, pastor, look, look at my budget. This is how much I make. This is how much I spend. There's nothing... There's nothing 
extra here. I've cut what I can cut. I, I've done everything I can. There's nothing else I can do. Well, then you might come to a different realization, and it is this. When you budget, you may realize that you have an income problem. Now, I would say that most people have a spending problem. The average person in this room, if your finances are out of control, you have a spending problem. But some people do have an income problem, and you may need to just increase your income. Proverbs 10 and verse 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. The word slack means lazy. You've heard of a slacker? He, that, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Now, your goal should not be to be rich, but God says, you know how the rich guy got there? By being diligent, by working hard. Some of you need to get a job. <laughs> but, you know, some of you need to get a better job. You may need to realize that, you know, the job that you're working is there's no future there. You've made as much as you can, and that's it. You uh, may need to get a, a new career. And look, I, I, I'm trying to just help you with this. You may need to learn a new skill. You may need to learn a new trade. You, you may need to take some online classes or do something, get a certificate or do something. But you, just, you, you may just need a new career. You just may not make enough money. When you do a budget, you may realize that you have a spending problem and you need to cut your spending, but you may realize, and I would say that this is not the majority, you may realize that you have a, an income problem. You just don't make enough. Say, so, well, I, you know, I can't. I love, I love being a pastor because everybody's always telling me why they can't, why they can't, why they can't, and I'm always just dismantling their can'ts. You can! I can makes a great man, all right? You know, people say, oh, I don't have any skills, I don't have any ability, I'm too old to get a new career, I'm too, uh, I'm too old to learn a skill, I can't take online courses, I'm not with this, I'm not that. Okay, well, let me tell you something. The most successfully financially, the most financially successful people in the United States of America are not, are not very highly professionally educated business people. This might be why we have 10 business people in our church, but you know what I would tell you? If you, if you say, I just can't learn anything else, you know what I would tell you? I'll tell you, start a business. Learn from others who started businesses. Read books about starting a business. Find a business you want to get in. And, and look, let me just tell you this. Don't, don't go start a business and you spend a million dollars getting it started and then you do nothing with it, okay? But you know what I would do? I'd figure out what can I do that would, what service can I provide? What product can I produce that would, that would be valuable to someone that they would trade money with me for doing it? And then I would become an expert in that business, if, if, if I was starting a business in whatever, I would read everything I can about that business. If I was doing sales, I'd read everything I could about sales and obviously being ethical and having integrity. If I, you know, I would read and learn and study and watch YouTube videos about that. You know, let me just help you with starting a business. Here's how you do it. You start part-time. You kind of start doing it on the side. You build that to the point where it could maybe take care of half of or maybe 60% of your income before you quit your job and, and, and go forward. You start part-time and transition, but you save money for that switch. You save money in advance realizing that you're going to have to transition into full-time business and you try to have some money um, on, on the side. And we'll talk about that not next week, but the week after that. But here's what I'm telling you. I'm just telling you that when you sit down and do a budget, you may realize you may realize that you have a spending problem. You probably, I should say, will realize that you have a spending problem. You need to cut your spending. I would say that's probably most of the people in this room. But some of you may realize that you have an income problem. And you need to do something to increase your income. You need to prepare. You need to plan. You need to be diligent. You need to work. We talked about the reward of a sp- for a spending plan. Go, go, go to Luke chapter 16. Remember I told you when we went to Luke would be done? Luke chapter 16. We talked about the reward of a spending plan. The reward of a spending plan is that you will build financial success and security. And the goal should never be to be rich. The goal should never be to love money. The goal should be able to live and provide for yourself and your family in a way that frees you up to serve the Lord. We talked about the reasons for a spending plan. What are the reasons? The reasons are this. Money has a tendency to get out of control. Money has a tendency to get out of control. And a spending plan is you creating a plan that will control the money that runs through your hands. 
And then we talked about number three, the realization of a spending plan. The realization is this, that you will probably realize that you have a spending problem and you need to cut your spending. And you may realize that you have an income problem and you need to increase your income. Luke chapter 16, look at verse 10. We'll finish here. Luke chapter 16 and verse 10, the Bible says, He that is faithful, we read this a couple of weeks ago, but I want you to see it again. He that is faithful in that which is least, and by the way, that's money. Money is the least. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. And then in verse 11, he gives us the context for the principle in verse 10. Now, the principle in verse 10 can be applied to anything. But here's the context in which he was speaking, verse 11. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Remember, the word mammon means material goods, material wealth, riches, money. He says, if therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And here's what it comes down to. You say, what's the point of the sermon? The point is this. You need to steward the finances that God has given you. You need to become your own financial planner and your financial advisor. Because here's what I know about you. Is that in your lifetime, God will allow, as an average American, between a million and two million dollars to flow through your hands. And if you don't have a plan for that money, you will not build financial success or security. That's why I had to have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the fact that you speak to every area in our lives. You, your wisdom would help our lives be better. And Lord, I pray that everybody would leave here encouraged. Sometimes when you preach sermons like these, people get a little sad and discouraged and thinking, oh, I've wasted time and I've wasted money. But Lord, help us like the Apostle Paul to just forget those things which are behind and to press toward the mark. And Lord, I pray you'd help all of us to just get our financial house in order, to realize that you expect us to steward the resources you've given us, and that even includes the unrighteous man. We love you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, Brother Matt, come up and